0: Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. My name is Lexi, and I'm a mama of four girls and the wife of a first-year pastoral student.
1: And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mum of two kiddos. Together, we have a desire to see each woman hold firm to the Word of God and say, Here I stand, I can do no other.
0: In today's episode, we are chatting with Hannah from South Australia. Hannah is a foster parent and today she will be talking with us about the joys and challenges of being a foster parent. So Hannah, thank you for joining us today on our podcast and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And of course, I'm also joined today by my wonderful co-host, Sonia. A special welcome to you too, Sonia.
1: Thank you. Hello. Nice to be here.
0: So Hannah, before we jump into the beautiful topic of being a foster parent, we would love to know a little bit more about you. Sure. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I live in South Australia with my husband, Michael, and we have four
2: children. I'm also an emergency nurse, which is keeps me busy as well.
0: Yeah. So did you, did you grow up in the Lutheran Church?
2: I did. I've grown up in the Lutheran Church, and so is Michael. He was also a son of a pastor, a Lutheran pastor. And then we came together in our 20s when we're both sort of attending our own churches separate from our families. And that's where we met.
0: Okay, lovely. So I suppose we could just jump straight into the topic of foster parenting. That's That's a big part of your life. Yeah, it is. So let's begin by talking about some of the practical parts to foster parenting. So what was the process like to be vetted and approved to become a foster parent? We
2: found it fairly streamlined. We basically chose an agency to go through and we chose Lutheran Care, seeing as we already go to the Lutheran Church, and we went to an information night and from there we just signed up to start the process. It looks like a lot of interviews, so someone will come to your house and they talk to you a lot about your childhood and go through any trauma or grief that you've gone through to see how you manage that. Talk a lot about discipline because, obviously, with foster children, how you go about discipline and uh, with them makes a big impact. And go through your own, your timeline, like your life story timeline. And after all of that, if they find you to be safe and competent, you get to be a foster carer. For us, we took about a year, but that was only because we were building a house and we weren't going to have anyone come into our house until we're in the new house. But I think you can take about three to six months to get approved.
0: Okay. So the first step of becoming a foster parent is basically them finding out about you and actually kind of digging into your past and your yeah, story yeah. and where you've come from. That's right. That's really interesting. Um. So what are some of the requirements to become a foster parent?
2: The, basically, you need to have room in your house Uh, you have to do some training so we said we would foster from zero to two and we'd always have younger than our youngest so when we started the process of fostering our oldest son was
0: I think about 18
2: months so we always said he would he would always be sort of the oldest in our family and then we'd always get someone younger and then younger again after Mm -hmm. that
0: So can you expect to legally adopt children in care?
2: In South Australia, adoption doesn't really happen from fostering. We can apply for long-term guardianship, which we do plan to do. That in itself is another long process. It's sort of like the process to become a foster carer, Mm -hmm. um, but they go through a lot of, I think they go through financial things, how you're going to look after them and just make sure that we're willing to look after her lot, all our kids long-term.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like permanent fostering.
2: Yes, and we're it. long-term guardianship means that you can uh, not have to deal with child protection <laughs> and you can actually make the decisions because at the moment in the
0: foster system the guardians for the children are child protection. So you would constantly be having to go to them for permission? Yes. For. Everything
2: is a decision through them pretty much.
0: Okay. So even down to little decisions like haircuts and things like that? Uh, no, that
2: is up to us. I think initially do have to check. Yep. But, um, everyday stuff is our decision. Anything that you'd have to sign a form for, anything, you know, with parent or guardian to sign should go through DCP. So when applying for school, childcare, any bigger medical things yep. has to go through them. And some things have to then go through DCP and then ask the biological parents as well what their opinion is of it. Things like travel, we've got to ask for, get permission for. And DCP need the whole like where we're going, who we're staying with, all that sort of thing.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So we would like to dig more into a bit about your experience with foster parenting. Sure. So how does your upbringing and your family of origin Influence your decision to foster children? I think growing
2: up in the church has helped us sort of be ready for us to have our house open to other people, anyone that might need it. And for us, fostering was about having a safe place and being able to provide love for children that needed it.
0: Yeah. And why did you decide to foster, not to adopt? I know that you said in South Australia, the foster system doesn't end in adoption or doesn't have that option. But why did you decide, you and your husband, to foster rather than adopt a child
2: essentially it came down to we can help children where we are right now we actually had looked into adoption we used to live in Canberra and they have a thing called permanent care so you can foster with the uh, intention of adopting and we'd also looked into international adoption but in the end when we talked about it uh, we realized that I think we were called to look after children where we are
1: yeah So, Hannah, what are some of the challenges in the fostering setting? What do you find particularly hard? For
2: me, the challenge is working and parenting with child protection. Some workers are on top of everything and some are not. We definitely all have differing opinions. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard parenting with someone that looks like they still need parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but um yes it's just difficult trying to make decisions when you live with a child you know what's best for them and having other people have an input in that
1: it sounds like you're co-parenting not just with one person but with a whole group of people
2: yes yeah, that's exactly what it is and sometimes those people change very quickly and you've just gotten used to one person and then you're doing it with someone else <laughs>
1: Wow. And what would be the best part? What are the joys and the highlights?
2: The joys of the children, (laughs) seeing their little faces and just knowing that we can give them all this love and a safe place basically, seeing them thrive and grow and overcome some of the challenges that they've had to face being foster children.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure being a foster child definitely comes with many challenges. It definitely does there's a lot of stigma, but also
2: even though we've had them from babies, people think, oh, that's easy. They don't remember anything, but they've still gone through trauma Yeah, and they still have things to overcome and get through.
0: Yeah, that's right. Especially if depending on what their circumstances were like as children, there could have been some level of just in some of the foster children that I know and have seen some level of neglect where the parents have struggled to properly provide physically for the child. And so they've ended up with some physical health issues Mm. as well. Yeah. And our
2: little two-year-old man that's been beating down the door, he has disability. He's got cerebral palsy and we're not really sure exactly. He's got sort of unknown diagnosis. Yeah. He's certainly got a lot of challenges that he's facing. And that's, if we go back to the joys, seeing him achieve, now he's sort of running when we weren't even sure if he was going to walk. And he's such a little rat bag, which is trying at times, but it's amazing to see how he just keeps thriving and going forwards.
0: Yes. So how many children have you fostered so far?
2: We have fostered altogether six children. One of them was only for a day, but my oldest son always counts him as his short time little brother (laughs) that's beautiful yeah that's so sweet yeah so we've had two little ones that have come into our house but also gone somewhere else after is it hard saying goodbye it's devastating saying goodbye even when you know it was going to happen it's devastating because you just love them so much but I think that's part of it like the whole point if you didn't love them so much you wouldn't be giving them everything they needed
1: yeah. yeah so how do you go trying to give them all that care and love that they need and the safety of a home while at the same time not actually being or becoming their parent it's
2: tricky it is a tricky balance but we always treat each little one that's come in we do treat them like our child and we just Give them all the love that they need, and even if we know they're going to leave, we don't ever try and take the place of their parent. If they're going back to their parent, we had one little bubba that went back to her mum, and we always knew that was going to happen. But we still give them the same love and care that we would any baby, like whether it was biological or not, while they're with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you talk about their biological parents much with them?
2: We do in an age-appropriate way, and it depends on. Like each child has had sort of a different story and a different amount of contact with their parent. Yeah. But we definitely tell them, well, the truth. We tell them the truth about their story and it's just making it age appropriate and then growing that as they get older so they understand mm-hmm. what their life story is. Yeah.
0: I was a volunteer supervisor for a foster family a couple of years ago. So I would just supervise the visitations between the children and their biological parents. Mm. And I had a little bit to do with CPS through that. And CPS actually put together like a book with photos and things for the children to read and look through and to take back to their foster home of their story just so that right from the very beginning they knew who they were, where they had come from, and it was age appropriate. Mm. But it was, yeah, it just had, you know, photos of, parents and just telling them a little bit about you know who you are and yeah where you've come from just so they know yeah and my son when we
2: first started fostering I was it was a very proud mama moment because someone said oh how how could they not love their children you know and do this to them And he turned around and said oh but they absolutely do love their children they just can't Keep them safe, and they don't know how to look after them properly. They've got more to learn. Um, yes, and that's what they people love their children. They just don't know how to do it safely. Yeah, yeah. But with uh, Miss Five and Miss One's mum, we've fostered a good relationship with her. So we write emails back and forth, and definitely keep her connected with the girls. And Miss Five, you know, has a
0: photo of them together yeah. in her room, and knows her life story. So if you can, you put effort into forming a relationship with the biological parents.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If they're willing to do it, then we've been willing to provide that. And every year for Christmas I do a photo book of the kids and I send it to the girl's mum. And with our little Mr. Two, he doesn't have contact with his parents but I still make the book and I ask child protection to send it to his dad it was the one that has been in contact with him a little bit at the start.
0: Yeah. One of the topics that we really also wanted to dig into was fostering and your faith as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So, are there any Bible verses that have compelled you to care for the little ones? To be honest,
2: there was no specific Bible verse that compelled us to do it. It was just something we felt God had called us to do. Yeah. I think I. Had always known I would be working with children in some way or another. And so when Michael and I first got together, that was a conversation we had. Yeah. And I think I don't think either of us realized what it would turn into, but that's just what we felt God had told us to do is to foster. Even when it comes down to which children have come into our home, we've both had a very strong feeling that God has told us this is the child that's coming into your house. There have been babies that we've said no to because we just knew they weren't supposed to come in, but When it's been right, we feel like God has told us that's the one. Yeah.
0: So with every um, opportunity for a new child to come into your home, you've taken it to the Lord and prayed about it and just asked for his guidance? Yes. Almost not enough time to do that
2: sometimes. Yep. (laughs) Um, With Mr. Two, I remember we got the phone call and we had just said the day before we'd gotten a phone call about a different baby and we'd said, no, like it's not. Um, we're not, not within our capacity. And then we got the phone call for Mr. Tudor the very next day <laughs> and we sort of went, oh, really? <laughs> and looked at each other. Then we had a bit of a break to think about it and we did pray about it. And I said to my husband, I said, God is telling us he's supposed to be in our house and he absolutely is supposed to be in our house. He's this little goofball that we didn't know we needed,
0: but (laughs) God definitely did. Yeah. And I know that you have had foster children baptised. Is there any limit or restrictions by the state when it comes to expressing your faith with your foster children?
2: There is a sort of restriction on when we can do it. It's a little bit about what we were talking before in having to run every decision past DCP. So with baptism, we waited until they, the children were on long-term orders. Mm-hmm. And then we asked them if we could baptize them because they have to take that to the biological parents and get their views mm. and also then make the decision. So we, when we've got them baptized, we Basically, say, look, they are living with us now. They think they're part of our family. We are their psychological parents, and they are part of the church community. And it's part of being within that community is getting baptized. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. When you apply to become foster parents, I'm sure they ask you all about your faith and your spiritual practices. Are there any discussions on what type of children that you would be comfortable with fostering? Like, have you fostered children of another religion?
2: We haven't fostered any child of a different religion and that is definitely something that comes up in the whole initial process. I remember one of the questions was about what would you do if you had a Muslim child in your care? And our answer to that was we would uh, not take a Muslim child into our care because we are you are expected to follow their culture and teach them all about it. So we didn't think we would be equipped to do so and that would be in conflict for both of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the system is quite understanding with that. And, well, I suppose they would try to connect the right parents with the right child.
2: Yeah, yeah. exactly. They do definitely try and connect yeah, similar faith or similar cultures together so that, that way the child can be connected to what they have either already grown up with or would be growing up with.
1: Yeah. Um, are there limits or rules on how you're allowed to discipline your children?
2: The main limit is no smacking. Okay. Um, so, no sort of physical discipline. With fostering, you have to. We have done courses in therapeutic parenting and trauma informed parenting. And that's really beneficial to have those sort of tools in your belt. Disciplining, or it's not really disciplining, it's just parenting is a little bit more intentional with our foster children you sort of you have to think a bit more about why you're doing something whereas with our biological child for instance we know he hasn't had any trauma so while we might not get parenting 100% right we don't have to think so much about why we're saying something to him or what we're going to say to him
1: yeah. From what, what I've read with children, they feel much safer when you have very firm boundaries and the rules always stay the same. So I would think that a foster child would need that as well so that they can feel really safe and secure in your home.
2: Yeah, that's right. That is one of the main things is having firm boundaries. We've always said we have wide but firm boundaries. So as long as they know where the boundary ends... <laughs> Then um, there's definitely a lot of safety in that. Uh, with parenting our foster children, and we do the same for our biological son as well. With our foster children, we need to think a bit more about trauma informed parenting because there is probably a reason behind some behaviors that is more than just what would be behind our biological sons. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, in some ways, there could be triggers, or you need to find out their backstory. So really it's just about tailor-making the way that you parent them to suit the child and their needs. Yes. How old is your son? He is eight now, nearly nine. Okay. So how does he go about being a big brother to the foster children that come through your home? He absolutely loves it. He's always about more babies, more babies. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful.
2: It is. Every time we've got the call for a baby, we do talk to him about it first and every time he's like yeah sure and he even point he's pointed out to us there's still one more seat in the car guys <laughs> we said uh, we can leave that one empty <laughs> wow yes yeah, so yeah. he, he is beautiful with them he's very nurturing he loves cuddling them and being silly and they all love him you know who doesn't love the big brother that's making faces and noises and they all yeah. get very excited and have big wide smiles for him
0: yeah so in many ways it's a family ministry Yeah, definitely. And he plays a big part in that ministry, being the big brother.
2: Yeah, and if he ever said it was too much for him having another baby or anything like that, we would always take his
0: feelings and opinion into our decision-making. Yeah. So what would you say to people who are considering foster parenting?
2: I would say it is an amazing thing to do, but it is a difficult journey as well. I think you need to go into it with eyes wide open. I think it's easy to think, oh, I'm saving a child (laughs) What a lovely thing to do, but there is a lot to it. There's working with child protection, there's working with bio parents who are not always happy about the situation. Yeah. But I think if you had the heart to do it and the space to do it, it's one of the best things you could ever do.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like they provide you with quite a bit of training if you do decide to foster
2: Yes, our agency, LC has given us lots of opportunities to learn new things and improve our parenting or adding to the toolbox, really. I think different agencies will provide different things. And, of course, there are some mandatory training that you have to do before you can become a foster parent. Mm. So there is emergency care, short-term care, long-term care and respite care. Emergency is more of a... And short term, they're both not intended to be long term placements, so not forever placements. Some people do just babies do that Um, initial, they need somewhere to go from hospital and they'll look after them for a short time before they find either a long term placement or maybe they'll be reunited with their parents if their parents can show they're safe. Mm -hmm. The long term care is what we have done. From the start, we said we would do emergency and short term in case that those babies did go onto long term orders, then we can. They don't have to change placements. A baby could come into a house and just have the least amount of changes and moves possible. Then there's respite care, which is weekends or maybe if the foster family needs to go on a holiday, the baby can't or child can't come along on, or sometimes children with big behaviours need to just be somewhere else for a weekend, which gives the foster parents a time to recharge Mm -hmm. and it also gives the child an opportunity to be with other people, learn different things, and have another set of safe people. Yeah. And I often say to people who aren't sure about fostering that maybe start with respite care, because that way you're not, I guess, locked into anything as such, but you can see a little bit about what fostering is like, and you meet other carers and uh, still be giving children a safe place.
0: Yeah, a good introduction to what it's like being a a long-term foster parent.
2: That's right, and often with fostering as everyone finds out fairly quickly nothing ever goes the way you planned <laughs> sometimes short-term placements that you didn't expect to be long-term placements can be long-term placements or maybe you'll have a respite placement and then they'll end up needing long-term placement and you'll be asked and you think gosh this is the right thing for me and they'll you end up having children forever that you know thought you'd only have for a weekend <laughs> so um, yeah anything can happen in fostering and for us, our little Miss 1 was definitely not, we were not expecting her to come into the family, but she is Miss 5's sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as we heard she existed, we knew she was going to be part of the family, even if only for a short time. Yeah. So, yes, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, so I suppose being a foster parent, you would need to be in some ways very flexible and easygoing just to see and take what happens.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Having said that, though, you also have to know your boundaries, know when you're going to say no and not feel bad about it. Because often, you know, we're talking about children and you can feel like a bad person for saying no to a child, but you can't have every child in your house. So you have to know your boundaries and what you know you feel is right. Yeah. I think fostering, is it is great. It's not for everyone. It's absolutely not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to throw out everything you thought you were going to do and just go with it. <laughs> yeah. People think, oh, I'm going to love these children better type thing. Like, I love the trauma away or I've got a great home, so they're going to be fine. But it's, yeah. you can have the best home and all the love, yeah. but you need more tools in your box than just that.
0: Yeah, there does need to be, I suppose, a, a sense of humility. Being a foster parent, do you find that you know, you've know you got this child and, yeah, just not necessarily knowing everything and not seeing yourself as the, the solution to all their problems? No, that's right. It's about walking
2: beside them and being with them. Even when they're very little, they might not understand what they're going through or why their body's doing something or why they're feeling it. It's about being with them for it. Being the calm in their storm and letting them know that you're there and they're safe, even if they're not feeling it. Yeah. There's a lot of reassurance that comes with foster parenting. And sometimes we don't even think about why we're doing it all, as in the reassurance or what we need to do. But it's a lot of reminding ourselves that we are the calm in the storm and a lot of reminding them that we are there for them and they are safe no matter what happens. We are there.
0: Yeah. So I suppose in some ways when we have our biological children, we have dreams and we have plans of who they're going to be and I guess we think about their futures. Where with foster children, is it more so in the moment of just giving them the care and the love that they need because they may not be with you in another six months' time? Sometimes it's like that, yeah, for sure. When they're on short-term
2: orders or you know that they're not going to stay with you. Once they're on long-term orders, though, we see them as our children and we don't want to treat them any differently in the sense of we do all the plan, like we plan for their future. We even consider, like we're talking about now, about schools and how they're all going to fit into that. Do we choose the same school for all of them or who's what's going to work best? All those things. So we do plan for their future. I think you just it's more about guarding your heart and not planning for too much when you're not sure if they're going to stay.
0: Yes. So there's a real sense of, Just going back to what you said before about it's devastating when they move on or they're united with their biological parents. It's a very humble, I suppose, very humble self-sacrificing position of you are not only opening yourself up to great love and to great joy, but you're also willing to open yourself up to pain and saying goodbye and yet you do it anyway.
2: Yeah, we do. And I've thought about that a lot because people say how do you do that and that's probably one of the most common things people say is like, I couldn't do it because I couldn't say goodbye mm. and we um it is terrible saying goodbye but I think that any pain that we might feel they've gone through so much more to have been in this position and hopefully a bit of our pain and all that all the love that we've given them helps them be a little bit more healed and a little bit more whole
0: yeah yeah Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about your experience with foster parenting. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been good to talk to you about it. Thank you for listening to Here She Stands. Please join us again next fortnight when we chat with the wonderful Ruby from Tasmania. Ruby is an avid reader with a passion for theology, hymns and the liturgy. She is also 15. Don't forget to check out the show notes for information and links relating to today's episode. You can find Here She Stands on Facebook and Instagram or you can email us at heroshestands.podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to sign up to our newsletter, download our episode transcripts or find out more about us, head on over to our website at hereshestands.online. Until then... We pray that you will hold fast to God's Word and confidently say, Here I stand. I can do no other.